Well, do you ever have trouble falling asleep? Uh, there are a couple of you here that I know the answer to that question for sure. Uh, Drew Ackerman is a guy who has a podcast. And this podcast is called Go to Sleep With Me. He tells stories that help people who aren't able to fall asleep. He says that to tell the perfect bedtime story, you just have to make it slow and very boring. Ackerman speaks, he says, in a really low voice that sort of lulls one into a sleep. His stories are hard to follow. And he goes off on tangents where he gives you weird information that really has nothing to do with the story. Like once he went off on a tangent talking about a detailed exploration of the science behind mood rings. Doesn't that sound exciting? One story was about a secret war between two candy companies. It was all kinds of real exciting business stuff. Well, he says that he works hard to make sure that his stories don't stir up any emotions because that keeps people awake. He doesn't want them to get interested, so he can't make the story interesting. And he must be doing something right because he is, uh, his podcast is one of the top 50 of 2021 anyway. I don't know how he's doing this year, but doing pretty well. And his stories are downloaded over a million times every month. Well, he works hard at telling boring stories because his purpose is not to wow his listeners, not to keep them on the edge of their seat, but it's to help them to meet a need. They need to get some rest. Well, this morning we're going to look at, and we've already looked at in great detail, the greatest story that was ever told, the story of the birth of Jesus. And at the risk of being struck by lightning, I would say that as I thought about this, I thought about the whole story and how it all goes down. And I thought, if I were God, I would not have done it the way he did. It would have been a lot different. Jesus would not have come as a baby, that's for sure. I think I would have started the story with him descending from the clouds with fireworks, great fanfare, angels all around, playing those trumpets loud, singing beautiful music, and declaring the greatness of God, and declaring that this man that's coming down, that you see coming down right now, it loves you, and is going to teach you the right way to live, and is going to teach you how to treat other people, and then he's going to die for your sins and raise again so that you can live forever. That would get their attention. That's the way I would do it. Nobody would have missed it. The whole world would have bowed down before Jesus because that's the way it should be. But God's purpose wasn't to wow men and women into submitting to his awesome power. God's purpose was to give us unmistakable proof that not only is he God 
And not only did he create all this and did he create you and I, but more importantly, he loves you. And what I just described wasn't very loving, was it? Instead, he decided, he chose to bring this baby into the world to show us what love looks like when it walks in our shoes. I already read that great story of how the birth of Jesus the Messiah happened. The kids acted it out for us this morning. It's amazing. It's an incredible story to think that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, God in the flesh came as a little baby to a poor couple to save his people from their sins and to teach them how to live. It's amazing. From the beginning to the ending, this story is a story of grace. It's a story of an unending gift of God's love for people. Corey Ten Boom, I've referred to her many times in my preaching. She was a Dutch watchmaker whose family hid Jewish people from the Nazis and helped them escape from them during World War II. And she and her family got caught doing that. And so they were in prison for four months. And then they went from prison to a concentration camp. In that concentration camp, her father and her sister died. After she was released from the concentration camp, she became a great author and speaker. She shared her war experiences and her faith with people all over the world. And she tells a story of one day when she and her team were invited to speak at a prison in the U.S. The people in the prison, the inmates, clearly did not want her to be there. They started making noise as the uh, opening music was being played. And when she came out onto the, into the front, they made noise and, and drown, tried to drown her out. But then Corey, just a little short lady, stepped up to the mic and she started to tell her story. And here's, here are the words that she used as she began to talk to these prisoners. She said, when I was alone in a prison cell for four months, just like that, the place got quiet. Do you know why? Because now they were going to listen to her. Because they knew that she had been a prisoner too. She had something in common with them. In fact, even more so, she was one of them. She'd been in prison. I don't know why you came this morning, or why you joined us on YouTube, or why you will throughout this week, but I hope that before you leave or you turn us off, you hear the story of a God who loved you enough to take on human flesh and to walk in our shoes. God who became one with us. God who became one of us. The story of Jesus' birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection are a story of love from the time that little baby was born and placed in that manger, that feeding trough for cows, until he rose again and ascended back into heaven with his heavenly Father. The first thing that we learn from the birth of Jesus is that love always makes a plan. Love makes a plan. When you love somebody, 
You build your plans around them. You become intentional about spending time with them, looking out for their best interests, planning a future together. The Bible tells us that before the foundation of the world, God did that. It says that he chose us for adoption as God's children. He prepared a kingdom for us, the Gospel of Matthew tells us. He planned for Jesus to give his life as a sacrifice for our sins in 1 Peter, and he promised us that we would live forever in the book of Titus. What an amazing plan. Before God even created this world, he made a plan that we might have a relationship with God and that we might have eternal life through his son. Years ago, there was a pastor named Benjamin Garrison who got a computerized chess game as a Christmas present. His wife bought it for him. And he enjoyed the playing the chess game against the computer for a while. He loved playing the game, but after a while, he became very frustrated because nobody wants to lose to a machine, right? And he lost, and he lost, and he lost, and he lost. The computer was just a little too good for him. And one time, he looked at that computer and he said, or that video game, and said, you idiot, if you're going to cheat, I won't play with you anymore. Well, he knew that the computer didn't cheat. It just made a move early in the game that meant that it was going to beat him. And he missed that move. He didn't see it. He didn't notice it at the time. It slipped right past him, and the computer had already won the game long before the game was over. Well, he wrote that God did something very similar for us at Christmas. When he sent this baby Jesus to be born in Bethlehem, Benjamin Garrison wrote these words. That move, sending that baby to Bethlehem, secured the future. That move guaranteed a good outcome. Meanwhile, we are free to go and to go on making our moves on the chessboard of life. And we make some pretty good moves. We make a lot of unbelievably bad moves. But yet, all the while, God is edging us toward that win at the end. Not over us, but that win for us and in us. When you love someone, you build plans around them. Think of a husband and wife. You're intentional about creating good things for them and doing good things for them. Before the foundation of the world, God planned through the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus to give us life everlasting. The first thing we learned from Jesus is that love always makes a plan. The second thing that we learned from the birth of Jesus is that love keeps its promises. Trust is important, isn't it, in a healthy relationship? And when someone you love betrays that trust, breaks a promise to you, it becomes harder to trust them in the future. But when someone consistently keeps their promises to you, always does what they say they're going to do, you feel valued, you feel loved. And so what does it mean that God is always faithful to his promises? Let's look at verse 22 and 23 that Arnie read for us earlier. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. 
More than 700 years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah was called to bring a message to King Ahaz, who was the king of Judah. Ahaz wasn't a very nice guy. He defied God. And during his reign, Syria and Israel had joined together to attack his country. And during this time of suffering, Isaiah was sent to warn Ahaz and to assure him that God was still with him. And part of that assurance was a vision that God gave to Isaiah of the coming of the birth of Jesus. We read about it again in 1 Corinthians 2. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. There was a French woman during World War II, or World War I, I'm sorry, who was really overcome by fear. And she felt that the future was grim, and she felt very hopeless. So she talked to her pastor about it, and her pastor taught her to meditate when she began to have those feelings on the promises of God. And she, he had her make a little promise box, a little box where she would keep slips of paper that would, she would write the promises of God on and then put in that box. And each day, she would pull out a promise and think about it and meditate about it and remember the faithfulness of God always. But the war was a tremendous challenge to her faith. And as time went on, her family was hungry. They didn't have clothing that they needed. Every, what they had was getting old and ragged, and her nerves were on edge. The situation was desperate, and she just couldn't see how God could be working through all of this mess and in the midst of a terrible war like this. So she prayed a desperate prayer, and she said, Is there a promise here that is really for me? She reached then for the promise box. She accidentally dropped it into her lap. And what she did, it, when she did, it fell open, and all of those little slips of paper spilled into her lap and onto the floor around her. And she was filled with hope as she realized that all the promises of God were there for her and for her family. When you love someone, you keep your promises to them. God always keeps God's promises. God is always faithful. The second thing we learn from the birth of Jesus is that love keeps its promises. And the last thing we learn from the birth of Jesus is that love became a person. The Creator God, the Great I Am, loved us enough to be one of us. How awesome is that? Emmanuel, God with us, in the flesh, through the birth and the life of Jesus, and in our hearts and in our minds as the Holy Spirit who helps us, who helps us to grow, who really grows us. God's continually with us even when we don't acknowledge that he is. This is proof that God loves us, no matter what, and it's a never-ending love. Many years ago, Bono, who was the lead singer of U2, tells of a Christmas Eve service that changed his life. He said that his band had just come home after a long tour, and he went to St. Patrick's Cathedral for a Christmas Eve service. But he was feeling sleepy, and he started to nod off, to keep himself awake, he began to read the story of Christmas from the Bible, the Pew Bible in front of him. And as he read it to himself, and he read this wonderful story about the birth of Jesus, he began to cry. 
And he said, this is a quote from Bono, love needs to find form. Intimacy needs to be whispered. To me, it makes sense. It's actually logical. Essence has to manifest itself. It's inevitable. Love has to become an action or something real. It would have to happen. There must be an incarnation. Love must be made flesh. In Jesus, that's exactly what happened. Love became flesh, human flesh. Our oldest Christmas hymn is one that we sang just a couple of weeks ago. O come, O come, Emmanuel. This thing was written around the 8th or the 9th century. That's a long time ago. It was originally a Gregorian chant, which was performed by the Benedictine monks. The original hymn was in seven different verses. It was leading up to Christmas, and that last week before Christmas, the monks would chant one verse each day to prepare themselves for receiving the truth and the joy and the promise that's ours through the birth of Jesus. How are you and I preparing ourselves for Christmas? We're buying gifts. We're making plans for family get-togethers. We're decorating our houses and our churches and our lawns and our streets and our stores and making everything pretty. But are we preparing ourselves for Christmas? Are we ready to receive the truth and the joy and the promise that God gives us through the birth of Jesus? It's such a simple story that it's very easy to take it for granted. We hear it every year. We see the kids come and show us that story, tell us a bit about it each year. We really got the full story this year, and I'm glad for that. But we begin after a while to take it for granted. Yeah, Jesus was born in a stable and blah, 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 blah. We can rattle the whole thing off. Do we really give it some deep thought and think about the fact that in Jesus, God made a plan for you and I. God kept a promise for you and I. And God became a person for you and for me. That's how much God loves us. I don't think we understand that. I don't think we ever will or could. I read in absolute amazement this week and saw on the news how a guy named Twitch, who from the outside looked like he had it all, He had a wonderful job, fabulous career, all kinds of money, a beautiful family, all the things that we think we need in this life. And yet, he took his own life. What's wrong with that? Did he not understand how important his life was. Yes, I weep for him. I weep for his family. 
Did he not understand that God loved him so much that he created him? Gave him talent that he had, the abilities that he had. Gave him a family who loved him and depended on him. I think there are many, many who don't understand that today. I pray that this Christmas, you and I will once again reconnect to our God. Reconnect to God's love and God's commitment and God's care for us and realize how very, very much he loves us. As we think about the love that came down that first Christmas. Amen.